Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kehud Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Friday, May 19th. Torah was meant to be lived out in community and in the context of relationships. A very effective way to study the Bible is in a small group doing a midrash or discussion. This helps you to go deeper into the Word as you take time to reflect on it, make connections from one scripture to another, and apply the scriptures to your personal walk. We have added a new feature on the Daily Audio Torah website. If you are involved in a small group Bible study, or would like to start one, we can help you. We have added discussion questions for you to use when your group gathers. We will post discussion questions for every Shabbat reading, and they will be posted on the website a week in advance so you have time to read and prepare ahead of time. We have also posted guidelines for leaders and facilitators to help you grow your small group in a healthy way. Just go to the new pick on the menu, Discussion Questions, and you will find everything you need there to nurture and grow your small group. We also offer coaching support if you need help or have questions. See the Guidelines for Leaders PDF for details. Have fun learning and growing in God's Word together in your small group. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation for the Hebrew Scriptures and for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Bamidbar, and it means, In the Wilderness. Numbers 3, 33-51 Of Merari was the family of the Malites and the family of the Mushites. These were the families of Merari. Their numbered men in the numbering of every male from a month old and upward were 6,200. The leader of the father's households of the families of Merari was Zuriel, the son of Abihel. They were to camp on the northward side of the tabernacle. Now the appointed duties of the sons of Merari involved the frames of the tabernacle, its bars, its pillars, its sockets, all its equipment, and the service concerning them. And the pillars around the court with their sockets and their pegs and their cords. Now those who were to camp before the tabernacle eastward, before the tent of meeting toward the sunrise, are Moses and Aaron and his sons performing the duties of the sanctuary for the obligation of the sons of Israel. But the layman coming near was to be put to death. All the numbered men of the Levites, whom Moses and Aaron numbered, 
at the command of the Lord by their families, every male from a month old and upward, were 22,000. Then the Lord said to Moses, Number every firstborn male of the sons of Israel from a month old and upward, and make a list of their names. You shall take the Levites for me, I am the Lord, instead of all the firstborn among the sons of Israel, and the cattle of the Levites instead of all the firstborn among the cattle of the sons of Israel. So Moses numbered all the firstborn among the sons of Israel, just as the Lord had commanded him. And all the firstborn males by the number of names from a month old and upward, for their numbered men were 22,273. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the Levites instead of all the firstborn among the sons of Israel and the cattle of the Levites, and the Levites shall be mine. I am the Lord. For the ransom of the 273 of the firstborn of the sons of Israel who are in excess beyond the Levites, you shall take five shekels apiece per head. You shall take them in terms of the shekel of the sanctuary, the shekel is twenty geras, and give the money, the ransom of those who are in excess among them, to Aaron and to his sons. So Moses took the ransom money from those who were in excess, beyond those ransomed by the Levites. From the firstborn of the sons of Israel he took the money in terms of the shekel of the sanctuary, 1,365. Then Moses gave the ransom money to Aaron and to his sons at the command of the Lord, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. First Samuel 24, 1 to 25, 44. After Saul returned from fighting the Philistines, he was told that David had gone into the wilderness of En Gedi. So Saul chose 3,000 elite troops from all Israel and went to search for David and his men near the rocks of the wild goats. At the place where the road passes some sheepfolds, Saul went into a cave to relieve himself. But as it happened, David and his men were hiding farther back in that very cave. Now's your opportunity, David's men whispered to him. Today the Lord is telling you, I will certainly put your enemy into your power to do with as you wish. So David crept forward and cut off a piece of the hem of David of Saul's robe. But then David's conscience began bothering him because he had cut Saul's robe. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this to my lord the king. I shouldn't attack the Lord's anointed one, for the Lord himself has chosen him. So David restrained his men and did not let them kill Saul. After Saul had left the cave and gone on his way, David came out and shouted after him, My lord the king! And when Saul looked around, David bowed low before him. Then he shouted to Saul, Why do you listen to the people who say I am trying to harm you? This very day, you can see with your own eyes, it isn't true. For the Lord placed you at my mercy back there in the cave. Some of my men told me to kill you, but I spared you. 
For I said, I will never harm the king. He is the Lord's anointed one. Look, my father, at what I have in my hand. It is a piece of the hem of your robe. I cut it off, but I didn't kill you. This proves that I am not trying to harm you and that I have not sinned against you, even though you have been hunting for me to kill me. May the Lord judge between us. Perhaps the Lord will punish you for what you are trying to do to me. But I will never harm you. As that old proverb says, from evil people come evil deeds. So you can be sure I will never harm you. Who is the king of Israel trying to catch anyway? Should he spend his time chasing one who is as worthless as a dead dog or a single flea? May the Lord therefore judge which of us is right and punish the guilty one. He is my advocate and he will rescue me from your power. When David was finished speaking, Saul called back, Is that really you, my son David? Then he began to cry, and he said to David, You are a better man than I am, for you have repaid me good for evil. Yes, you have been amazingly kind to me today, for when the Lord put me in a place where you could have killed me, you didn't do it. Who else would let his enemy get away when he had him in his power? May the Lord reward you well for the kindness you have shown me today. And now I realize that you are surely going to be king, and that the kingdom of Israel will flourish under your rule. Now swear to me by the Lord that when that happens you will not kill my family and destroy my line of descendants. Then Saul went home, but David and his men went back to their stronghold. Now Samuel died, and all Israel gathered for his funeral. They buried him at his house in Ramah. Then David moved down to the wilderness of Maon. There was a wealthy man from Maon who owned property near the town of Carmel. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and it was sheep-shearing time. This man's name was Nabal, and his wife, Abigail, was a sensible and beautiful woman. But Nabal, a descendant of Caleb, was crude and mean in all his dealings. When David heard that Nabal was shearing his sheep, he sent ten of his young men to Carmel with this message for Nabal. Peace and prosperity to you, your family, and everything you own. I am told that it is sheep-shearing time. While your shepherds stayed among us near Carmel, we never harmed them and nothing was ever stolen from them. And your own men, ask your own men, and they will tell you this is true. So, would you be kind to us since we have come at a time of celebration? Please share any provisions you might have on hand with us and with your friend David. David's young men gave this message to Nabal in David's name, and they waited for a reply. Who is this fellow, David? Nabal sneered to the young men. Who does this son of Jesse think he is? There are lots of servants these days who run away from their masters. Should I take my bread and my water and my meat that I've slaughtered for my shearers and give it to a band of outlaws who come from who knows where? So David's young men returned and told him what Nabal had said. 
Get your swords, was David's reply as he strapped on his own. Then four hundred men started off with David, and two hundred remained behind to guard their equipment. Meanwhile, one of Nabal's servants went to Abigail and told her, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, but he screamed insults at them. These men have been very good to us, and we never suffered any harm from them. Nothing was stolen from us the whole time they were with us. In fact, day and night they were like a wall of protection to us and the sheep. You need to know this and figure out what to do, for there is going to be trouble for our master and his whole family. He is so ill-tempered that no one can even talk to him. Abigail wasted no time. She quickly gathered two hundred loaves of bread, two wineskins full of wine, five sheep that had been slaughtered, nearly a bushel of roasted grain, one hundred clusters of raisins, and two hundred fig cakes. She packed them on donkeys and said to her servants, Go on ahead, I will follow you shortly. But she didn't tell her husband Nabal what she was doing. As she was riding her donkey into a mountain ravine, she saw David and his men coming toward her. David had just been saying, A lot of good it did to help this fellow. We protected his flocks in the wilderness, and nothing he owned was lost or stolen. But he has repaid me evil for good. May God strike me and kill me, if even one man of his household is still alive tomorrow morning. When Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed low before him. She fell at his feet and said, I accept all the blame in this matter, my lord. Please listen to what I have to say. I know Nabal is a wicked and ill-tempered man. Please don't pay any attention to him. He is a fool just as his name suggests. But I never even saw the young men you sent. Now, my Lord, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, since the Lord has kept you from murdering and taking vengeance into your own hands, let all your enemies and those who try to harm you be as cursed as Nabal is. And here is a present that I, your servant, have brought to you and your young men. Please forgive me if I have offended you in any way. The Lord will surely reward you with a lasting dynasty, for you are fighting the Lord's battles, and you have not done wrong throughout your entire life. Even when you are chased by those who seek to kill you, your life is safe in the care of the Lord your God, secure in His treasure pouch. But the lives of your enemies will disappear like stones, shot from a sling. When the Lord has done all he promised and has made you leader of Israel, don't let this be a blemish on your record. Then your conscience won't have to bear the staggering burden of needless bloodshed and vengeance. And when the Lord has done these great things for you, please remember me, your servant. David replied to Abigail, Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you to meet me today. Thank God for your good sense. 
bless you for keeping me from murder and from carrying out vengeance with my own hands. For I swear by the Lord, the God of Israel, who has kept me from hurting you, that if you had not hurried out to meet me, not one of Nabal's men would still be alive tomorrow morning. Then David accepted her present and told her, Return home in peace. I have heard what you said. We will not kill your husband. When Abigail arrived home, she found that Nabal was throwing a big party and was celebrating like a king. He was very drunk, so she didn't tell him anything about her meeting with David until dawn the next morning. In the morning, when Nabal was sober, his wife told him what had happened. As a result, he had a stroke, and he lay paralyzed on his bed like a stone. About ten days later the Lord struck him and he died. When David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Praise the Lord, who has avenged the insult I received from Nabal, and has kept me from doing it myself. Nabal has received the punishment for his sin. Then David sent messengers to Abigail to ask her to become his wife. When the messengers arrived at Carmel, they told Abigail, David has sent us to take you back to marry him. She bowed low to the ground and responded, I, your servant, would be happy to marry David. I would even be willing to become a slave, washing the feet of his servants. Quickly getting ready, she took along five of her servant girls as attendants, mounted her donkey, and went with David's messengers. And so she became his wife. David also married Ahinoam from Jezreel, making both of them his wives. Saul, meanwhile, had given his daughter Michelle, David's wife, to a man from Galam named Palti, son of Laish. John 10, 22-42 It was now winter, and Yeshua was in Jerusalem at the time of Hanukkah, the festival of dedication. He was in the temple, walking through the section known as Solomon's Colonnade. The people surrounded him and asked, How long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Yeshua replied, I have already told you, and you don't believe me. The proof is the work I do in my Father's name. But you don't believe me because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me, for my Father has given them to me, and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. Once again the people picked up stones to kill him. Yeshua said, At my Father's direction I have done many good works. For which one are you going to stone me? They replied, We're stoning you not for any good work, but for the blasphemy. You, a mere man, claim to be God. Yeshua replied, It is written in your own scriptures that God said to certain leaders of the people, I say, you are gods. And you know that the scriptures cannot be altered. So if those people who received God's message were called gods, 
Why do you call it blasphemy when I say, I am the Son of God? After all, the Father set me apart and sent me into the world. Don't believe me unless I carry out my Father's work. But if I do his work, believe in the evidence of the miraculous works I have done, even if you don't believe me. Then you will know and understand that the Father is in me, and I am in the Father. Once again they tried to arrest him. But he got away and left them. He went beyond the Jordan River, near the place where John was first baptizing, and stayed there a while and many followed him. John didn't perform miraculous signs, they remarked to one another, but everything he said about this man has come true. And many who were there believed in Yeshua. Psalm 116, 1-19 I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my prayer for mercy because he bends down to listen. I will pray as long as I have breath. Death wrapped its ropes around me. The terrors of the grave overtook me. I saw only trouble and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. Please, Lord, save me. How kind the Lord is. How good he is. So merciful, this God of ours. The Lord protects those of childlike faith. I was facing death, and he saved me. Let my soul be at rest again, for the Lord has been good to me. He has saved me from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. And so I walk in the Lord's presence as I live here on earth. I believed in you, so I said, I am deeply troubled, Lord. In my anxiety I cried out to you, These people are all liars. What can I offer the Lord for all he has done for me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and praise the Lord's name for saving me. I will keep my promises to the Lord in the presence of all his people. The Lord cares deeply when his loved ones die. O Lord, I am your servant. Yes, I am your servant born into your household. You have freed me from my chains. I will offer you a sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people, in the house of the Lord, in the heart of Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. Proverbs fifteen twenty and 21 Sensible children bring joy to their father. Foolish children despise their mother. Foolishness brings joy to those with no sense. A sensible person stays on the right path. I want to speak to you today from our reading from 1 Samuel 24 and 25. And this is a study in contrasts. So. In chapter 24, we see that Saul is still out to kill David. David is hiding with his men in a cave. And Saul happens to wander into the cave to relieve himself. David's men say, now's your chance. Now you can kill him. And David refrains. 
he acts with great restraint. Instead, he takes just a little corner of the uh, the man's cloak. And then after Saul exits the cave, David follows him and shouts to him and tells him, Hey, Saul, I could have killed you in that cave. I have a corner of your cloak right here in my hand. But I would never lift a hand against you. Why do you continue to pursue me? And Saul recognizes, You have repaid the evil I have done to you with good. And that's in 1 Samuel chapter 24, verse 17. And he said to David, You are a better man than I am, for you have repaid me good for evil. Yes, you have been amazingly kind to me today, for when the Lord put me in a place where you could have killed me, you didn't do it. And so they part on good terms. But of course, Saul is still going to be trying to kill him and other meetings that or encounters that they have. But now we come to chapter 25. And in the very next chapter, David and his men have been hanging around the fields of Nabal and providing protection for Nabal's shepherds and the sheep. So now David sends a messenger to Nabal, asking him, Hey, can you refresh my men? Can you share with some of your provisions with us? We've been guarding and protecting your men and your sheep. And Nabal, who is a crude, angry, mean man in all of his dealings, gives back a very crude, mean reply. And in verse 10 he says, Who is this fellow David, and who does the son of Jesse think he is? There are lots of servants these days who run away with from their masters. Should it take my bread and my water and my meat that I've slaughtered for my shearers and give it to a band of outlaws who come from who knows where? So now David, when he finds out what Nabal's reaction was, he's ready to kill him. He unsheaths his sword and he tells his 400 men to grab their swords and to follow him. That's quite the opposite reaction as what he had with Saul. With Saul, he acted with tremendous restraint, and he would not lift his hand against him. But now Nabal comes along, and he's ready to kill him and his men. Fortunately, the Lord raises up Abigail. She finds out what has happened, and then she quickly mounts a donkey. And she gathered up 200 loaves of bread and some wineskins full of wine and five sheep that had been slaughtered and a bushel of grain and raisins and cakes. And she packed them on the donkeys and said, go on ahead. I will follow you shortly. But she didn't tell her husband Nabal what she was up to or what she was doing. So she is going to be a peacemaker. She's going to be a diplomat and an ambassador. And it says in Proverbs, a gentle answer turns away wrath. So she sends forward the gifts, the food and the provisions that David had asked for. And then when she meets him, she speaks great words of wisdom. And she says to him in verse 29, even when you are chased by those who seek to kill you, your life is safe 
in the care of the Lord your God, secure in his treasure pouch. But the lives of your enemies will disappear like stones shot from a sling. And when the Lord has done all he promised and has made you leader of Israel, don't let this be a blemish on your record. Then your conscience won't have to bear the staggering burden of needless bloodshed and vengeance. And when the Lord has done these great things for you, please remember me, your servant. And so I see Abigail as functioning in the role of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has been sent to speak to David through this woman, Abigail, to warn him. So did David have a bit of a temper? Sure he did. He restrained himself with Saul, and he had tremendous self-control. But then when he's put in another situation where he's insulted and treated badly, he's ready to kill. And so now the Holy Spirit, speaking to him through Abigail, has been sent to bring him back to that place of self-control. So that's something to note. There may be times in our life where with one particular person, maybe it's the boss at work. Maybe it's a husband or a son. It's someone you respect and someone that you are, um, you don't want to offend them. You want to honor them and respect them, but they're out of control or they're, they're in the wrong. And yet you act with restraint and with self-control. And you have to just shove down the anger. You have to set it aside. You have to parking lot it. Because there's just so much unrighteousness in the situation. And it's just not right what's going on there. But then you you find yourself in a different situation. Now maybe you're dealing with, you know, uh, someone who is subject to you. Someone who you have authority over them. And now that anger that you had to set aside and parking lot it, <laughs> it pops out. In a different situation with a different person. And that's kind of what happened with David, I think, is that he acted with great restraint concerning Saul, who is the king and who he was subject to. And then that anger popped out when he ran into Nabal. Now, here's another thing to note about this whole scenario as it unfolds. Look at how the sovereignty of God worked out. And that if you refrain from taking the matter into your own hands and you wait upon the Lord, he will deal with it. And so Abigail comes home. Nabal has been drinking all night and he's super drunk. So she waits until the morning when he's awake and sober. And then in the morning when he's awake and sober, she tells him everything. She tells him what she did. Nabal has a stroke. And he's paralyzed. And ten days later, the Lord struck him and he died. That's the sovereignty of God. So instead of David taking matters in his own hands, he allowed, the, he allowed room for the Lord to act and to move. And that's exactly what happened. 
the Lord took him. And now Abigail, because of her kindness, her wisdom, her stepping into the situation to prevent David from spilling blood, now David says, I'd like to marry you. So this is something, a lesson to be learned, is that we need to really allow the Lord to operate and move in circumstances and step back and wait. We don't want to push and get ahead of him. And especially for those of you who are alpha leaders, who are strong, maybe the firstborn in the family, you're a strong leader, whether you be male or female, you have lots of capabilities, lots of skills, And it's easy to step up and knock on the door or open the door yourself and push yourself forward. But that's not the ways of God. The ways of God is to be meek and to be humble and to wait upon him and allow him to open the door, allow him to orchestrate the circumstances. And that takes patience. It takes trust. And it takes humility. But that is how, that's the ways of the Lord. And so we need to practice doing that. Wait upon the Lord. And he will lift you up in due season. Wait upon the Lord. And you will mount up like wings of eagles. Wait upon the Lord. And while you wait, he works on your behalf. That's all I have for today. Have a blessed day, and we'll see you tomorrow. Shalom. Adonai Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.